Well, toxic masculinity has absolutely been in the headlines in the last couple of years as the feminists rage and rage about how they've never been heard and how their body should be their choice. And it doesn't matter if that choice is to kill another human being so long as we get the choice. Well, culture is full of lies about men and women and the damage that it's doing is going to be felt for generations. Today, my friend, Pastor Phil Hopper, returns to the show with me And we're going to discuss what it looks like for a husband to lead in a healthy marriage and how a marriage that operates under God's design can flourish and grow strong in an age of extremes. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. It's happened over and over again where men basically emotionally abuse their wives um, and its sinfulness and its wickedness. Talk to the woman. And I had uh, June Hunt. I don't know if you're familiar with June, but she's she's got to be uh, in her 70s now. She used to teach alongside Kay Arthur. They've done some extraordinary work. She grew up in an abusive environment, and she speaks to it now. And she was on here to talk about domestic abuse. I want to say this is maybe a, a month ago or so. And we never got around to this, but I, I'm thinking you're the perfect person to to address this. There are women right now who are listening to this who are living with abusive husbands. They're either being sexually abused or they're being physically abused, but they've been told by their church elders, you got to stay. You got to stay. Sorry. You know, you made a covenant relationship. Uh, You're in a covenant relationship now. You can't leave. And I know because I meet them on the road. Talk to that woman who is genuine. I'm not talking about, you know, you argue with your husband or he didn't like dinner and he complained. And we're not talking about, please don't make up abuse. I'm talking about actual abuse. What do you say to the woman who's in the, and she's a godly woman and, and she, and she wants to do what God wants her to do. She wants to live her life under, under, as a woman under authority. Speak to that woman who is trying to reconcile her situation with God's heart for her. Yeah. Once again, a legalistic application of biblical teaching is not only unbiblical, it becomes illogical. And that's what I remember Jesus said to the Pharisees. You remember when the Pharisees were jumping all over the disciples because they picked some, some grain on a Sunday, heaven forbid, they were hungry, they, they fed themselves, and, and uh, you know, I can't believe your disciples aren't keeping the Sabbath. You remember what Jesus said? Hey, the law was made for people, not people for the law. That's right. It had become so distorted by the time of Christ that the law had become a burden, a yoke, a bondage. And Jesus said it was never intended. It was meant to serve people, not the other way around. And marriage is similar. You know, in, a, in conservative theological circles where we believe marriage is a covenant of one man and one woman for life. These are vows you take for life. And we need to look at marriage in that sacred, sacred kind of way. But what about a woman that's clearly being abused, in some cases, not week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out? Uh, Is she bound forever to a man that claims to be a Christian, but everything about him says he's not? The answer is no. No, you don't go on what one says. There are many people that profess Christ. They do not possess Christ. And the evidence of it is not in what they say, but, but what you see. Mm-hmm. And I've known that, you know, men at times have tried to control their wives. You can't divorce me. I'm a Christian. Yep. Yeah, but nothing about your life says you're a Christian. 
uh, you're, you're a counterfeit Christian. Nothing about your life has the fruit of the Spirit. There is no fruit. Jesus said you will know them by their, their fruit. fruits. Yeah. So you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You know what says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7? Paul is giving some more detail on what Jesus says in Matthew 19 about divorce and remarriage. Infidelity, adultery, is clearly one of the reasons, biblically, someone can be loose from a marriage. You don't have to be married to someone who will not be faithful to their vows. Now, it doesn't mean you're out the first time. The heart of God is always reconciliation. We have a book about reconciliation. We have a God that's about reconciliation. It's not, oh, you messed up one. I'm out. <laughs> that's mm. my technical get out of you know yeah, jail free yeah, card. Right. No. Where yeah. there is repentance, the heart of God is always for redemption. Mm. But Jesus would teach him where there is no repentance, there can be no redemption. Now, what do you do with the situation where, okay, well, there's been no infidelity. Um, I'm just a punching bag. I'm just a doormat. Uh, in some cases, you're not even in a safe situation physically. God, your father, does not want you to stay in a place where you are not safe. If you're married to an abuser, doesn't matter what he says. I'm a Christian. You can't divorce me. No, Paul, I appeal to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You know what it says? Do not divorce your spouse because you're a believer and they're an unbeliever. Don't automatically divorce them because they're not a believer if it pleases them to be married to you and be in that marriage. In fact, Paul says the believer might sanctify the unbeliever, meaning your influence might lead them to Christ. That's a win. Mm, Don't just divorce them because they're not a follower of Jesus. But if the unbeliever departs, let them depart. You're not under bondage. You know what else Paul says? Specifically, if the unbeliever is pleased to be in that marriage, don't depart. If they're not pleased, but they just won't leave, you're not under bondage. If they're not leading you and loving you, they're abusing you. They're not pleased to be in that marriage. They just don't have the guts to walk away. You don't have to stay. You're married to an unbeliever. You're unequally yoked. It doesn't matter what they say. Now, I would encourage anyone to get some personal counsel, I don't want to come on a podcast where I'm talking to thousands of people knowing I can't personally know your situation specifically. I'd really encourage you to get some godly counsel from somebody you really trust before you make any decisions that are going to be life-changing. But just in a broad brush, 30,000-foot flyover, um, I, I hope that's helpful, Heidi. It's so helpful, and I and I think it goes back to Understanding the heart of God for marriage and understanding, I think women especially need to hear God's heart for them and they need to hear it as a, you know, a coming straight from the word of God so that they understand how loved they are. My granddad, you know, years ago when Jay and I were first married and I, I've told you before, when Jay married me, I was about as broken as a 19 year old girl could be broken in every way. And we sat under a, under a, a pastor's teaching one Sunday. He was talking about women submitting to authority and it made me angry. I sat there and I mean, I'm angry. I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to listen to this anymore. You know, women are supposed to be quiet in the church, blah, blah, blah. Because my whole life, it had been used against my mother and then against me. And I didn't understand. And so my my husband and I went to talk to my granddad, who had been a pastor for years and years. And he was married to my grandmother for almost 75 years. They had an amazing relationship. She was a handful, that mm-hmm. woman. That'll be hard for you to picture, I know. But my granddad said to Jay, 
because we were talking about submission and authority and headship. And he essentially said what you've been teaching now for the last uh, 40 minutes or so. He said, listen, Jay, if if the issue of submission between you and your wife has to come up, you've already got a problem. Right. Something's already wrong because a husband who loves his wife is going to be submitting, submitting to Christ. And a man who submitted to Christ honors and loves and protects his wife. And he listens to her. And it was such it was the first time that I'd ever heard uh, another uh, godly man show the heart of Christ for women and relationships. And I think there is abuse on both sides. Right. I mean, certainly men are being abused in in many, many regards in the culture right now because we're misunderstanding the role of men and misunderstanding God's heart for marriage and God's heart for leadership. But you have done such a beautiful job of taking men and women back to the Bible back to the heart of God, not to uh, not to continue in a cut and paste theology where we read one part of the verse, but we don't see it in context. I love that you uh, that you just exegeted so beautifully what Paul is saying when he says women are to be quiet in the church and to say, here's here's actually what the word quiet means. We need to be talking about these things. I have one other question because I got you here. I got you here and your schedule is as nutty as mine. Talk to the, the women because, you know, the number one question I get out on the road because I'm, I often talk about marriage and the, God's beautiful plan. Because marriage done God's way is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful and life-giving and uh, it's glorious. It is. But I, I talk to so many women who say, I want my husband to be the spiritual leader in our home, but he just, he just won't be. So now there is no spiritual authority, is no spiritual leader. I'm not talking about abuse anymore. I'm just talking about the woman who's saying, I just want my husband to take you know, the lead, leading our family spiritually. And so therefore, no one's leading their kids spiritually because she feels like she can't do it because that's his job. Talk to, well, maybe you can talk to the, to the husbands too, but first yeah. to, the, to the wife who says, what do I do if my husband isn't leading our family spiritually, but I know they need to grow? By now, you guys know my grave concern for the future of our country that is basically at risk because our public high schools and our universities are pushing communism and socialism as if they were beneficial to the nation. If you want to teach your students how to defend the history of this country, we've got a great opportunity for you. You can learn from a teacher who has founded a college that rivals the Ivy Leagues, an activist who has fought to protect religious freedom, and a lawyer who's argued before the Supreme Court and won. Michael Ferris brings his knowledge and expertise working within the American political and legal systems right into your home in a brand new 30-week course designed for high school students. The lectures are packed with personal stories and thoughtful questions from this seasoned expert, and your students will form a thoughtful stance on the American ideals this country was founded upon and leave with the tools to defend that stance. Pre-enroll by August 15th with the promo code HEIDI to participate in live Q&As with Mike Ferris. Remember, there are co-op and single household options available. This is fully online and it's self-paced. Content for the fall semester releases August 3rd and Unit 1 is available for free when you create an account at Lumen.com. That's L-U-M. I-N-N.com. And don't forget, use the coupon code HEIDI15, that's H-E-I-D-I-1-5, by August 15th to save 15%. Yeah. Yeah. So men need to reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, quit doing what is easy. Uh, mm-hmm. God has given you, as the man and the headship of the home, he's given you the responsibility to be the pastor 
the priest, the prophet of the family. And so I encourage every man to pick up the mantle uh, and, yes. and be the pastor, the spiritual shepherd, the leader. Don't take your family to church, lead them to church, right? But what do you do if you're a wife and your husband is in a place of complete apathy spiritually, passivity, mm-hmm. and he just won't accept the mantle? Well, somebody needs to disciple those kids. Come on. Somebody needs right. to be the one. And so uh, don't think you can't just because he won't. Mm-hmm. And so uh, by all means, as a godly mother with intention, uh, begin discipling your children uh, to know and love Jesus in this wicked world we're in. Be be careful how you push your husband. I mean, men can't be pushed. All right. They're, yeah. they're just they, they won't be pushed. And so it's really important that you don't dishonor him. Any way to your kids, well, your dad won't do this, so I have to, that kind of thing. Um, Pray for your husband. Encourage him. If he finally prays with you, don't correct him. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, please don't do that. I mean, really, I've known men that tried, and they just decide I can't get it quite right for my wife. So I'm just not anything that makes a man feel weak, he will retreat. That's why a lot of men Mm -hmm. don't take the leadership spiritually because their wives know more about the Bible than they do. Dude, that's good counsel. Say it's that very again. Intimidating I thought that was so good. Yeah. Yeah. So if a man feels weak, he will always retreat. retreat. Yeah. Yeah. He he will not put himself in a position where he feels like I can't succeed. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is a lot of men feel like, man, I can't do this. My wife is better at this than I am. It's very intimidating mm-hmm. for him. And so it's really important when he tries, don't correct how he's doing it. Just encourage what he's doing. You know, so it'll make him want to do it again. But if he has one or two bad experiences, a lot of times men are out because they will mm. not look stupid in front of their wife. They don't want to look dumb in front of their kids. And that's why it's very intimidating for them to do that. So encourage him. But if he will not pick up the mantle as a godly mother, somebody has to. And so by all means, you be the one. Yeah. And picking up the mantle is really just picking up the Bible. I mean, we're getting into God's word with our children. We're saying, hey, we get to go to church today. We're, we're encouraging them in the ways of the Lord. And if a, if a wife wanted to encourage her husband to begin to take up that mantle, how would what's a way for her to do that that is respectful and loving? Yeah, I think uh, the first thing to do is just say, honey, will you pray with me tonight? Mm. Just the two of you. He's not putting it all on the line in front of the kids. I love that. Uh, So let's just start with the two of you. Honey, will you pray with me tonight? I'll pray. And then will you pray? And then maybe uh, after two or three nights, now, honey, will you pray? And then I'll pray. Uh, And and it may not be a long length. It doesn't matter. Anything, Anything is a step in the right direction. And then it might be, honey, hey, tonight when, when we sit down for supper, we're finally going to have a night at the dinner table together. Will you pray before we eat dinner tonight? Mm. So you're setting him up for wins. What What is fairly easy wins? Does that make sense? You're not throwing down yeah. the gauntlet. We need to have a family devotion every Tuesday night at 530. <laughs> I want to go through this book. It's this thing. Come need. up with something, would you? <laughs> exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 If he wanted to start reading the Bible to his family, where's a good place to start? I think that a great place to start would be maybe like the the Gospel of Mark. Somewhere one of the Gospels, Mark is the shortest Gospel. 
uh, men don't like reading long books. That's why women <laughs> read the Bible more than men. So let's start with the shortest <laughs> gospel. Um, and um, so let's start this way. I would say, hey, let's read one chapter from the book of Mark before the kids go to bed tonight. It's all about the life of Jesus. So he's getting to lead the way. This is a really easy ask. We're just reading the Bible together or reading, depending on the age of the kids, a bedtime Bible book, Bible stories. Mm -hmm. Anything like that that he would do, you're setting him up to win. You're setting him up to exercise the headship of his home, uh, and you are purposely letting him lead. And here's the in the end, Heidi. Men are more happy and women are too when we simply be what God has called us to be. And so true. Here's what I know. When men, when women dominate men in the home yeah. and they listen to this modern feminist lie of, you know, here, here I'm woman, hear me roar. Now, here's what happens. Men aren't happy and the women aren't either. Mm. This is um, this is why you, you've never you've never met a happy feminist. It's so true. They're all angry. <laughs> They're all mad. They're all mad. I mean, really. But here's the point. Yeah, you know, Ephesians five twenty one, mutually submitting one to another in the fear of the Lord. Men and women are called to submit, not just women. Yeah, we're all called to submit. Jesus submitted to the Father. Even Jesus was called to submit. Submission is not a bad word. Submission is a good word. We all have someone to submit to, uh, and when we all live in that humility and submission to our authority, that is when we live lives of peace and prosperity, as opposed to chaos and anarchy. And that's what mm. God always intended. I really hope that your next book is about this, because this, this would be a good it one. would be a good one. I got one more. I got I got one more question because I keep writing stuff. Yeah, ask me about that. OK, so should we be arguing about egalitarian versus complementarian? Is this something we should be arguing about? Because this was. Uh, in the context of, you know, when I was listening to a couple of these guys talking about women in the church and women can't teach and blah, 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 blah. And they got into kind of a lengthy discussion about whether you're an egalitarian or you're complementarian. And I m part of my my thinking was, are we supposed to be arguing about this? What 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 do you say? So um, in my personal opinion, this is um, not a, an issue that ought to be that divisive. Yeah. All right. That's I'm going to hold loosely. Yeah. I'm going to hold this loosely. Pastors that disagree with me that Heidi St. John came to speak in my church. Hey, I'm not going to hold that. I'm not going to argue with you about that. One. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not going to. It's not a hill I'm going to die on. I know what I believe. My conscience is clean before God. I think the New Testament is clear, but this is not one that I think we should go to war over with other believers. Yeah. But for whatever reason, other believers right now are going to war over this one. So we need to know what we believe and why. And then I think share the truth and walk away. Yeah. I'm not going to go to battle over it with people that that disagree with me. And the thing about the terms, the terms have to be defined egalitarian versus complementarian. Well, the problem is there's continuums along the way here. I would be what I've described to you. I would call a soft complementarian. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if can you, you read the definition, it? I should have done that. Yeah. Can you can you define so, it? Yeah. Egalitarianism is men and women are not just equal. We are the same yep. in any role a man can do. A woman can do, too. She can be pastor. So churches that ordain women to pastors are egalitarian in their theology. Complementarian would be the much more what I believe the biblical understanding that we are 
equal, but we're not the same. We complement each other as men and women. So in this case, women cannot be pastors. Now, when I say soft complementarian, though, um, I think women can be on all levels of leadership Mm -hmm. within the church. They can't carry the title pastor and carry that spiritual authority and oversight over the church, but they can certainly teach Mm -hmm. from the platform in a mixed assembly on a Sunday morning, uh, like you have and others have in our church. So when I say soft complementarian, complementarianism would say um, women, they shouldn't even teach probably in a mixed assembly of men and women. They can teach other women, but certainly not men. Mm-hmm. And the hardcore complementarian is women can't even teach other women, which is how you and I got to have this conversation in the first Correct. place. They take it to the, yeah. take it actually to the, to the height of what that might yeah. look like. Right. So. The terms themselves aren't very descriptive. They need to be defined. And in the end, to answer your question, Mm -hmm. no, I think we have much bigger battles we ought to be fighting. We need to unite together as God-fearing, Bible-believing men and women to fight the real threat and fight the real enemy together. And the enemy always loves keeping us fighting each other, so we're not fighting him Mm -hmm. together. That's what's happening now over this issue. Come on. So good. So good. Uh, Pastor Phil, for I've got a lot of people listening to this day who haven't heard you before. Tell us a little bit about where you are in your family. And you've written a couple of books, too, which I was privileged to be able to write the foreword for, uh, at least one of them. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I have pastored now a church called Abundant Life, started in Lee Summit, which is a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri. We now have locations all over the Kansas City metro, very thriving online campus, a church house movement all across North America. Of believers that are now living missionally and living in community while worshiping with abundant life on Sunday mornings, usually in somebody's home and doing it from hundreds of miles away from Kansas City. Very, very exciting times. God is on the march. He's on the move. Uh, I do have three adult children. Chris and I have been married. It'll be 32 years in October. And uh, I am actually writing a third book. I've written Defeating the Enemy, which is knowing the enemy's strategy, Weapons of our Warfare, which is understanding your weaponry, your armory. You have weapons you can win. And uh, Heidi St. John did indeed do the forward of that book. Couldn't think of anybody better because she is a warrior for the Lord. I'm actually working on a third book, Heidi. It's going to be a devotional commentary of Song of Solomon. Can't wait. Come on, a devotional for Song of Solomon. Excellent. And yeah. then right after that, you can write about marriage because I feel like uh, this has been life-giving. I cannot wait to see your next book. Pastor Phil Hopper, you are a treasure and a dear friend of mine. Thank you for coming on the show and encouraging our audience today. I really appreciate it. It's a blessing. Thank you, Heidi. If you guys want more information on my guest today, hop on over to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast and I'll scroll back. I will link back to you rather Pastor Phil's books and his ministry. You guys are going to want to check it out. Abundant Life out of Lee Summit, Missouri. I've been there several times. You guys, if you're anywhere in the area, check it out. Life-giving, solid teaching from the Word of God and I know you'll be blessed. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture. <laughs>